It's good to see you. My name is Dwayne. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so glad you come out on this amazing day. Hope you look in your program and take your outline out and follow along and take some notes. And uh, don't you feel better after that game we just played? You can't lose. Don't you wish life was like that? Like no matter what you did, no matter what you believed, it didn't matter. You were all winners. We all get a trophy. There's something in us that we want everyone to make it. We want everyone to connect with God and be with him for eternity. Except maybe for that serial killer, a couple of politicians, and the guy who cut you off on traffic on the way to church today, right? Everybody else, we hope they make it. <coughs> we hope they're good. You know, I wish it worked that way. It feels good to think that God is so big and so loving that it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. This is, this is basically feel-good theology. It just feels good. Well, you're a good person, and you're better than most people, so things should be okay. It, it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Someone will pass away, and a loved one will say, well, he wasn't much of a religious person, but he is in a better place now. Old grandma's up in heaven looking down at us right now. now I'm going to be real honest with you. There's about three or four times a day I hope grandma's not looking down at me. You know what I mean? I hope she's not watching me all the time. But the people say it all the time, you know, grandma's in a better place. They're looking down. Weren't very religious, but they're, they're in a better place. And people say this, and it's, it's ingrained in our culture. doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. All paths lead to God anyway. We're, we're all on the same journey. And a Hindu uh, proverb puts it like this. There are hundreds of paths up the mountain, all leading to the same place. So it doesn't matter which path you take. The only person wasting time is the one who runs around the mountain telling everyone else that his or her path is wrong. Well, I'm going to apologize in advance. I'm going to spend some time running around telling you why this proverb is wrong, okay? So please forgive me. But all the major world religions, they recognize that man has a problem. They call it sin or evil or suffering or striving. And they see the bad things in the world and they see that all of us, we all do bad things, and they recognize we have a problem. And so all the world religions, they're setting out to how can we fix this problem? How can we solve this problem? There's something in all of our hearts that longs to know God. We were created for that relationship. But, but unfortunately, so many of us pick our own paths, whichever path we think is going to be there. And this belief that, that all paths lead to the same place, we call it universalism. Universalism. It's the belief that everyone will be saved. But the problem is, if you, if you sincerely and honestly study what the different religions teach, we're not all even on the same mountain. We don't all have the same destination in mind. We don't all have the same goals. You know, do you want to go to heaven? Do you want to achieve nirvana? Do you want to cease to exist, to just kind of go into nothingness, to become one with the universe? What is your goal? A best-selling American Buddhist author, Jack Kornfeld, he puts it this way, there are many ways up the mountain. But each of us must choose a practice that feels true to his own heart. Feels true to his own heart. I mean, last week we, we looked at what God's word says. It says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to destruction. And God also tells us that our heart is more deceitful than anything else. And so it's so easy to deceive ourselves and think we're on the right thing and doing what we feel is right. And so we have all these different religions saying that we're all going to the, you know, but people want to say we're all going to the same place. So this brings us to the law of non-contradiction. The law of non-contradiction. Contradictory propositions cannot both be true. Two things that they cancel each other out. They can't both be true. 
It's one of the most basic laws in classic logic. It states that something cannot be both true and not true at the same time. For example, if I told you the chair in my living room at home, it's made of wood, but the chair in my living room at home is not made of wood, they, they, they can't both be true. One cancels out the other. Let's look at two statements from the Bible as we're coming up into Easter season. Think about the story about Judas, the disciple who betrayed Jesus. Remember, he betrayed Jesus for the 30 pieces of silver. And in one of the Gospels, there's four Gospels, four accounts about Jesus. One of the Gospels says this, that it tells us that Judas hanged himself after he realized what he'd done. But another Gospel says Judas fell down and his bowels spilled out in the field. It's kind of gross, but anyway, that's what it says. All right, two, two different accounts. So some people will say, look, the Bible contradicts itself. Well, one, one, one passage says he hung himself, another says he fell down, and his bowels spilled out. Well, those two statements can both be true. He could have hung himself and then fallen when they let him down, and his bowels spilled out. We don't know. We don't have all the gory details, just enough, right? They're not, it's not necessarily not true. For it to be uh, violating the law of non-contradiction, it would have to say Judas died by hanging himself, or Judas died by falling in the field and killing himself. He didn't hang himself. It would have to cancel each other out. And see, it's interesting to me when we, we get into religious matters, this is really the, the only area where we really say it doesn't matter what you believe. I mean, think about it in, with your finances or in math or science. We kind of, you know, we agree on some basic laws and rules. And when you're sick, let's say you're sick, and uh, let's say you have Kaiser medical coverage. Over, it's pretty good overall. I mean, I've done pretty good with that. But, but when you go to Kaiser and you're sick, and you drive into that parking lot and you feel terrible. If you get a parking space your first time around, you feel better already, right? Oh, I've been healed. <laughs> Got a parking spot. And you go to Kaiser and you see your doctor. He says, oh, Dwayne, you are so sick. You need, you need some medicine. And what he, what he types in his computer, right? He sends it down to the pharmacy. And you go down to the pharmacy and you wait for what seems like forever because you feel terrible. And let's say you stand in line. You get up there. You go to get your prescription. And the clerk always checks the computer. And what the label is to make sure the, um, the pharmacist got it right, right? They want to make sure you're getting the right medicine, you're getting the right person stuff. And imagine I go up there to pay for my medicine. I can't wait to get out of there and take some medicine. And, and they say, oh, I'm so sorry. They made a mistake. This is the wrong medicine in your bottle. We're going to have to refill it. You're going to have to wait again. And I, what am I going to do? I was, oh, what if I said, oh, don't, don't worry about it. I sincerely believe that medicine in that bottle will make me better. It doesn't matter. I feel so bad. Anything's going to help, right? Just give me that medicine. I'm getting out of here. I mean, would you do that? Well, that's not the right medicine, right? It's not, it's not going to fix your problem. Well, but we do that with religion. We say, oh, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Are you getting the right medicine? Just because I believe something is true doesn't make it true. Now, in our culture today, people are saying, oh, all truth is relative. But truth is truth. It's independent of what you believe. Let me give you a couple examples. If, if I go out every day and I play pickup basketball games with my friends and I work really hard, after a year, no matter how hard I play, no matter how good I believe I am, I'm still not ready for the NBA, right? Would you agree with me? If I go to the hairstylist and buy all the nice clothes and I work out for a year, at the end of that year, I might think I'm really handsome, but it doesn't make it so, right? I mean, you can't, just because you believe something doesn't make it true, doesn't make it real. Truth is independent of belief. 
So let's be honest about what we believe and what other people believe. We're not saying, if somebody believes different than you, we're not saying they're bad people. Let's just be honest that we, we disagree. We don't have the same beliefs. That's okay. You have the freedom to believe what you want to believe. I'm still going to love and respect you. It's interesting today in our culture, um, it, it feels to me like spirituality is more acceptable today than it's been in a long time. I mean, you hear people talking about God and spirituality all the time. After a, after a sporting event, all the athletes are, you know, oh, I give all the credit and glory to God. Or somebody wins a Grammy, you can listen to a daytime talk show, and they're talking about God and a higher power. But you know when it gets controversial? All you have to do is mention one word, and it gets controversial. You know what that word is? Jesus. Just start talking about Jesus, and people get upset. Somebody's going to be mad. Almost no one debates the existence of Jesus, even his enemies. Historically, we know that he really existed, that he really did live. People aren't going to tell you he didn't exist. People love his moral teachings. They love the teachings of Jesus. Help the poor, love others, be generous, forgive those who hurt you. His teaching's amazing. Even if you hate Christianity, it's, it's very difficult to hate the teachings of Jesus. Many people like Jesus, but they don't like his followers, sometimes for good reasons. But they, do, they love the moral teaching of Jesus, but when they get upset is when they get to the exclusive claims that Jesus made. And this, I want you to write this down. Jesus claimed to be God, and he claimed to be the way. You might even circle the, not a way. He claimed to be the way. Now, some people say Jesus never claimed to be God. He was a good teacher. He was a good man, but he never claimed to be God. But that's one of the primary reasons that they killed him. That's why they wanted to kill him. In John 10, 33, the religious leaders said this, we're stoning you. They, they picked up big, they were going to kill Jesus. We're stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. And they wanted to kill him. Very godly people, very sincere people. They wanted to kill Jesus. And he also very clearly claimed to be God. I don't have all these verses on your outline. But he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he said this about himself. I am the way and the truth and the life. The only way to the Father is through me. And you might circle the three these and only. Man, he didn't say I'm, I'm a God or I'm a way or, you know, I'm, I'm one of the ways. He, this upsets people. You know, I mean, you just try sharing this with some people who have different views, and it gets people upset. All the world's major religions, they account for Jesus. He's such, a, he's such an influential uh, figure throughout history, throughout the world, and all religions have something to say about Jesus. So what do these other paths say about Jesus? So before we look at that, I'll just say that about 80%, a little over 80% of the world's people claim to have some sort of religious uh, affiliation. And most of those, over 90%, they, they claim to be a part of five, what's called the five major world religions. So most people in the world would fall in one of these categories or a subset of one of these. So first we have Judaism. It's the smallest of the major world religions. It's less than 1%, but it's included because out of Judaism comes Christianity and Islam. And here's what Judaism says about Jesus. They admit he was a teacher. He was a rabbi. But they say Jesus was not virgin born. They admit he was crucified. They admit the tomb was empty, but they say he was not resurrected. And so they conclude he was not the Messiah. He's not the Savior. That, that makes sense? So they believe he's a real person. Islam. They say that Jesus was Allah's final prophet. 
I don't know if you know this or not, but the Quran talks more about Jesus than it does Muhammad. And it says, uh, Jesus, Jesus is Allah's final prophet. He was a wise teacher and a miracle worker. He was virgin born. They even admit that. But they say he was crucified, but he did not die. Because there's no way God would let a good man like Jesus die, one of his prophets die on the cross, such a shameful way. And they conclude that Jesus was not God, and he's not the son of God. Because they say Allah has no son, and they do not speak of Allah as their heavenly father. They see um, Allah as this one kind of impersonal, one specific God. That's about almost a fourth of the world's population. Uh, Christians are about a third. I, I wish a third of the people were really devout, sincere followers of Christ, but about a third of people claim to be Christians. Then there's Hinduism. So Hinduism says this about Jesus. says he was a holy man. He was a wise teacher showing the way. Some say he was a god like Rama or Krishna or Buddha. But really that doesn't matter because they believe we're all part of God. This whole uni- all of creation is part of God. God's not separate from his creation. There's not a God who created it. The, everything we see is just God. It's all part of God. And, in, and sometimes a subset of this in, in America that's kind of popular or maybe it's not as popular as it used to be was that New Age movement where you kind of, and, and the focus there is we believe we're all becoming a God. We're discovering our divine being. That's about 15% of the world's population. Buddhism is about 7%. And here's what they say about Jesus. He was an enlightened man. He was a wise teacher. He helped others find the truth and find the way. Perhaps he was a bodhisattva, one of their religious people, but he, he's not divine and he's not God. Okay? So on top of that, no other founder of a major world religion claimed to be God or the way to God. Okay, but, but you can write this down. All other paths conclude Jesus is not God, nor is he the way. Nor is he the way. So to me, we have two very contradictory statements. And it's very difficult for me to say, hey, we're all on the same path. We're all going to the same place. You've seen the clever coexist bumper stickers or signs that, that uh, say, you know, say coexist. And we do. We do need to coexist. Jesus never told us to go around and be hateful towards people. He said, share his love. Share about him. But the truth is, we need to, we, if we take an honest look at all the major paths, we need to recognize that they contradict. All these paths contradict each other. Followers of Jesus believe that Jesus is the only way. Followers of the other religions say Jesus is not the way. John MacArthur says it all basically boils down to this. There's only two religions in the world, only two. The religion of divine accomplishment, divine accomplishment that God did it, and you can do nothing. God has done it all. That's the true Christian gospel. Or the religion of human achievement. You have to do something. You've got to fix yourself. You've got to make yourself better. See, John MacArthur says it all boils down to two ways. There, there's only two possible ways to God. Only you, either you work at it and you're good enough and you, you make enough effort, you become righteous enough that eventually you will make it to God. You know, a, a Hindu believes that a common man, it would take more than 60,000 lifetimes to be good enough to eventually achieve this state of being of nirvana where you're kind of out of, you're not, on, you're not stuck on earth anymore. 60,000 that just makes me tired thinking about living 60,000 times. I don't know about you. In Hind- so there's, there's only these one possible ways. In Hindu, a person is trying, they're trying in their, on their own to gain release from their karma. 
In the New Age movement, a person is working to achieve their own divinity. In Buddhism, it's an individual quest at being free from desire. And so you kind of enter this state of nothingness. You cease to exist. In Islam, the individual follows religious laws for the sake of paradise after death, hoping, hoping that they're good enough to be accepted by Allah. They're never quite sure. And with Jesus Christ, you see God's offering a relationship with himself, not based on our efforts, but based on what he did for us. So not only do what we say about Jesus is different, but if you examine a little more what we say about how to get to God or we're not even all trying to get to the same place. We're not even on the same mountain. Some, they're not all talking about God or connecting with God. So they contradict each other. And so you basically have to ask yourself, am I justified, am I made right with God by my faith, by my faith or trust in Jesus, or by my good works, by my works? Is it faith or works? See, Christianity really says it's Christ plus nothing. Not Christ plus good works, or Christ plus baptism, or Christ plus giving money, or Christ plus stop doing your bad things. It's Christ alone. You and I can never be good enough on our own. The Bible, you know, you invite Christ in your life, you try so hard to stop sinning, but you can't stop. You can't do it. You can't be good enough on your own. That's the message of the Bible. Every other religion says you have to do it yourself. You have to achieve it. You have to be good enough. And for most of us, we're in trouble, what they say. Religion is, can be spelled do, D-O. You've got to do versus a relationship that God offers because he's done it. Do versus done. And on the cross, Jesus said it's finished. You don't have to keep working at it to do it yourself. You might feel like you need to add something to it. Part of that's our human pride. But Jesus did it for you. And Josh McDowell said this, anyone with sincere religious beliefs cannot say that all religions are true. That is so illogical, it is pathetic. All religion cannot be true because some of them are so diametrically opposed to each other. So if you believe something else and you're here today, I love you and God loves you. We're glad you're here. We're not saying you're a bad person. We're just saying we don't believe the same thing. And God says what you believe matters. We're going to look at that in just a minute. If you're here and you're kind of confused about this, you well, I'm a Christian, but I think all these other paths, and you're not convinced that all these other paths aren't leading to the same place, I challenge you to do a study, make a comparative religion study. I'm not afraid f- for you to go read and find out about Hinduism or Buddhism or Islam. You know why? Because I've done it myself. And what it will do, it'll make you appreciate Jesus even more. Because every one of them say, you've got to do it. You've got to be good enough. You've got to fix yourself. And there's not a lot of hope. You've got to do it yourself. And I I challenge you, there's all kind of information on the internet. I took a semester class in college and I took a semester class in seminary, comparative religion. Study for yourself. And you, you will see, you can't say that we're all on the same path. But what does Jesus say about it? Not what does Dwayne say about it. What does Jesus say about it? Well, number one, he says it really matters what we believe. It really matters. Jesus said what you believe matters. Can you reject that Jesus is God's son and still be right with God the Father? Well, Jesus answered that very clearly. He said this, anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Let me stop just a second. Eternal life is not just living forever. Jesus defined eternal life for us in John 17, 3. He said eternal life is knowing God and the one that he sent. It's knowing the Father and the Son. He said eternal life is having a relationship. 
when he said it's knowing God is having an intimate, the word they use in Greek was an intimate relationship. So Jesus said, anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. So he says, if you believe in God's Son, you have life. But if you keep staying in your own path and you don't choose to believe in Jesus and respond to him and follow him, then you remain under God's angry judgment. And I want to be clear, God loves everyone. He loves the world. He loves Jews and Hindus and Muslims and Christians. But he hates sin, and he has to deal with our sin. Every religion recognizes we have to deal with our sin or the evil in our lives. And God, that's why Jesus came and he went to the cross. On the cross, when Jesus was being mocked by the creation, when they were laughing at him and making fun of him, when he was beaten and ripped and torn and bloody and had nails in his hands and his feet, he looked down. This is God's heart. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. It's finished. Jesus did it for us. It's finished. It's done. He also said this. If you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. What does that mean, I am he? Jesus was saying, if you don't believe I'm the Savior, the Messiah, the one who was promised by God, he even used the I am. Remember when Moses asked God, what's your name? What do I tell him? I am. Tell him I am sent you. Again, Jesus was equating himself with God. And if you don't believe I'm God, if you don't believe in me, you will die in your sins. So Jesus says, what you believe matters. What you believe matters. We can't say it doesn't matter. what. Well, God never said it doesn't matter what you believe. Sometimes people say, well, man, how could a good, loving God, how could he send people to hell? People who, just because they reject him or don't believe in Jesus, how could he send them to hell? Greg Kokel put it this way. He says, God... God doesn't send people to hell. We're all on the highway to hell on our own. That's what we deserve for what we've done. And so he, Greg Kogel says, the biblical message is not, if you don't believe in Jesus, you go to hell. Rather, the message is, if you don't, have, don't receive a pardon for your crimes, you'll be punished as you should be. If you refuse the doctor's medicine for your disease, the blame belongs to the, to the disease, not the doctor. He says, it's your responsibility to choose. Are you going to take the medicine or not? You're already on that path. And so it leads me to a conclusion. When I study what the claims of Jesus and people get so mad because they say Christianity is so exclusive, write this down. Christianity is inclusively exclusive. It's inclusively exclusive. You say, oh, wait, are you violating the law of non-contradiction? No, hang in there with me. Because Paul says this in Romans. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Can you underline that phrase, no matter who we are? No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, if you put your faith in Jesus, you're made right with God. So, okay, Christianity's Jesus, the claims of Jesus are very exclusive. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the only way to God. Wow, that's very exclusive. There's not other paths. But he says anybody can come, anyone who puts their faith in Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. <clears throat> it, it couldn't be any more exclusive, and it couldn't be any more inclusive. And it's hard to wrap your head around. But you study these other religions, you're not accepted as you are. You have to earn it. You have to work your way there before you're okay. And that's a long, hard impossible road. 
Second thing the Bible tells us and Jesus tells us is all paths don't lead to God. All paths don't lead to God. Jesus said, um, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. He doesn't say we're all on the same road, we're all on the same path to life. He says only a few find it. All paths don't lead to God in heaven. And you remember the quote we looked at at the beginning from our uh, Hindu and Buddhist uh, fellows? <clears throat> he said there are many paths. It doesn't matter which path you take. Each of us must choose a practice or path that feels right to us. Well, Jesus says there's two paths. There's the broad path and there's the narrow path. The broad path is the way that seems right, seems easy. We just go along it. And he says there's the narrow path. And only a few find it. And then he says something else that really upsets us. I mean, it's hard. It's, it makes me sad. He says there are two destinations. There's destruction and life. There's only two paths and there's only two destinations. Jesus said the path to life to forgiveness to a relationship with God is through him. That's why he says it's narrow. But why does he say it's so hard to get through that, through that gate? Why is it hard to go in that gate? Is it because I'm too wide? <laughs> it's because I'm a little too big? <laughs> no, it's because you got some baggage with you you're trying to bring with you. Because when you come to Jesus, you have to say, Jesus, I put my faith and trust in you, what you did for me on the cross. I, please forgive me for my sins. Come in my life, change me, lead me, guide me. And, and Jesus says, you have to turn from your sins. You repent. You don't want to keep living in this pattern of sin, but we want to bring some of our sins with us. So you're trying to get your bags through the gate at the same time. You have to leave your pride, your selfishness behind. And you, get, you come through that gate. You're putting your faith and trust in Christ. He does it for you. He paid the way. He made the way. And this, these two paths, Jesus says, he tells another parable, and he says at the end, at the judgment, he says, then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. <clears throat> Can you circle the word eternal twice there? See, these two destinations, they're not temporary. There's no purgatory. There's no chance until you get it right. You don't get to be born. It's, it's eternal. Now, here's the good news. God loves you and me and everyone else so much that Jesus came to search for us, and he's still searching for us today. Jesus came to search for us. Write that down. Came to search for us. Jesus said this about his mission. He came to seek and to save the lost those who are separated from God, those who got, the Bible says we're all like sheep who've gone astray. We've all gotten off the path. And Jesus sacrificed himself so that there would be a way for us. And then he came to seek and look for us, to lead us home, to guide us home. He's at work in the world today. The Bible says the Holy Spirit's at work in the world to convict people of their sin and their need for Jesus. And he's called us to help him in this work. And he's searching for people, trying to help them find the path, help them come to this narrow way. Now, just a little side note there to piggyback on what we just read about the eternal, eternal punishment and eternal life. See, some of the major world religions teach, teach reincarnation, that you'll be, you'll be born again on this earth until you get it right. You'll have many chances. But I just have to say, Jesus says there's no reincarnation. He says eternal punishment or eternal life. Hebrews puts it this way, just as people are destined to die once. Can you underline that phrase? 
I don't, I'm going to be honest. I don't, I don't think I mind being dead so much. I'm not real excited about the process of dying. I'm, I'm glad I only have to go through it once and not 60,000 times. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. One day Jesus is going to come back. It's going to be the end of the world, and he's going to take those who believe in him to heaven to be with him forever. So let's stop for just a second. Let's say right now that you say, oh, okay, Dwayne, I, I, I see what you're saying. I see what the Bible says. I see what Jesus says. I think I agree with you for the most part. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling so good now because, man, I, I understand. I believe. I'm good. All those poor other people, they're bad. And you're just sitting there. Maybe you're thinking, oh, but at least I'm good. And is, is that my goal today, that you just agree with me? <laughs> no. It's not God's goal for you. See, when you come to know Jesus and he forgives you and you find the way, you have a responsibility. Write this down. My responsibility is to show and tell. To show and tell. When I put my faith in Jesus and then my life should change. It should show people that there's something different about me. That there's something going on in my life, the way I live. And, and James puts it this way. Faith by itself if not accompanied by action, is dead. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. It's not enough just to believe in your head in Jesus and God. And He's saying you've got you to gotta put it into practice. If it's real, if you really get it, it's going to go from your head to your heart. It's going to transform the way you live. And James isn't saying that you earn your forgiveness by your deeds. He's saying if you have real faith, we can see it. Show me your faith by the way that you live, by the way you treat people, by the way you love others, by the way you love God. He says it's going to show up. Uh, and I don't know if, if that makes sense. Or not. It's hard to understand the difference. Believe about versus believing in. From your head to your heart, to, in my mind. You know, years ago, I think it was 1996, I went to Vancouver, met my parents there and my sister Linnea. And we went to, to this uh, bridge. I didn't realize how famous this bridge was. We went to the Capilano Suspension Bridge north of Vancouver. And uh, this bridge is about 460 feet long, suspension bridge, steel cables and plates. And it's about 230 feet high. And you go on this, be uh, it's a beautiful place. You go on this beautiful hike. And uh, <clears throat> I'm walking there with my sister, and I see this bridge. And there's some people out there in the middle hooping and hollering and swinging the bridge. And it, didn't, it doesn't swing a lot because it's so long, but they were moving it, let me tell you. I said, oh, that looks so cool. And I'm not a daredevil. It, looked, it looks like a pretty safe bridge. I was well made. I said, that looks pretty fun. Let's go, Linnea. No. <laughs> come on. And I ran across, and I ran back. Look, come on. It's good. Come on. I'm, you can do it. <clears throat> no, I'm not getting on that bridge. Come on. I tried to pull her. Nope, she wouldn't get on the bridge. She went the long way back around to the parking lot. Well, my point is, the kind of faith that we're talking about, the kind of belief is not just something you believe in your head. Hey, I believe you can cross the bridge. It's you got to get on it. You trust it. You, you put your life, you stake your life on it. And that's what real faith is going to change the way that you live. It's going to change the way that you treat others. Let me put it another way. Just believing the right stuff and coming to church and doing the religious things, that doesn't make you right with God. You have to truly put your faith and trust in Jesus and invite him into your life and live for him.
Billy Sunday's good old preacher about 100 years ago, he says, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. <laughs> Got that real faith and belief. There's fruit, there's evidence in your life. And Jesus wants us to have that kind of faith. He wants it to be real so that when we're sh sharing with others that people don't go, oh, you're just a hypocrite. No, we're real people. We still have mistakes and flaws, but my life is being changed. And you can see him by the way I live my life that I love Jesus. He wants us to show and then he wants us to tell. First, he wants us to pray and talk to God, and then he wants us to tell others. Now, this is from Paul, the man who used to hunt down Christians. This is what Paul said. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. This is good and pleases God, our Savior. Love this verse. Next verse. Who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That's what God wants, but he's given us freedom to choose. And then Paul says this, there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Man, pray. Talk to God about the people in your life, in your world, in other places that don't know Jesus. And then Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. You know, show and tell. Show and tell. In your program, there's some little invite cards and I hope all of you will, will pray for two people in the next two weeks, and you'll invite someone. You'll take that card. You'll invite them to come at Easter Sunday, as we heard. That's one of the times people are more open to going to church than any other. Ask them to come with you and hear what it's all about. Ask them to step up and, and come with you and join you. But you have to do your part. just want to pray for us. And Lord, as we remember what Jesus did, I pray Pray that you will do something in us, God. Help us not to be complacent. Help us to be grateful. Help us to be full of gratitude that we don't have to do it for ourselves, but Jesus did it for us. And God, help us not to be selfish. Help us to pray for those who don't know you. God, help us to look for ways to share your love and to show your love. And God, I pray that we would be faithful to help other people know the good news that we have. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.